This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Thursday. We look ahead to the NFL season here really all day as we get the preseason starting tonight with the Jaguars and the Raiders right now. Let's go to the Roman guest line. Bring in John Daigle, NFL fantasy and handicapping at 4 for 4 football and bet spurts. He joins us on the Roman guest line. John, welcome to the show. Let's um, We're going to go a bunch of different directions, but let's, let's start here. Your process, um, when you're talking about available opportunity players, when you're trying to decide which players you want to be on this year, you want to be off this year, take us through your process on trying to project how certain players will do and the opportunity they'll get this coming season. What you're referring to, of course, is my available targets and air yards tracker and available carries tracker at 444.com and where I actually keep track of the free agents and the players that are cut, thus the opportunity they leave behind from last year. For instance, the Titans this year, since they traded A.J. Brown, among other losses, Julio Jones released as well, uh, then the Titans actually have the most targets, 351, missing from last year's production. And it's not – context needs to be provided to all these numbers, so it's not like we plop a player in and then suddenly they get these 351 targets all thrown to them. But it does tell you that literally there is tons of opportunity through the air and in the passing game in particular for a receiver to step up. And honestly, that's where – a player like Robert Woods to me becomes a value because everyone assumes Traylon Burks will step into that role, even though his profile is very volatile. And so I just let ADP do the work from there. And since Robert Woods is now going, even though they have caught up to one another recently, but Robert Woods is still going behind a round or two Traylon Burks. And so that leads me to draft Robert Woods, knowing it's an ambiguous situation with lots of opportunity. And so that's how I typically handle that situation. John, your colleague over at 444, Connor Allen, did some great work on season-long props that I've uh, been referencing a number of times this preseason and how valuable the unders are, in particular with uh, rushing yards props that are out there. Do you find yourself straying away from a lot of these season-long props to the overside? I do. uh, Well, no. Actually, I find myself to the underside since – right. It's we have a better gauge, and remember, playing the unders gives us outs for injuries since that happens as well. So if any Mm -hmm. number seems even close to what a player can do, honestly, you're you're just better off betting the under. And so that's how I typically handle those numbers. But Connor does do an amazing job of it. What about any value plays in the awards market? So for me, I've actually I've, I've played two uh, in particular that I really like. I have bet Judas Schuster to lead the league in receptions with 33 to one on FanDuel, and that puts them in a similar range as players who aren't even considered starters. And as we know, last year the Chiefs' offense was far less sexy in the second half of the season that they led the league in yard in production after the catch through the air, and Patrick Mahomes actually led the league and passes thrown behind the line of scrimmage. They were actually still as efficient. They were just slower, and they ran significantly fewer plays and dumped the ball off more as an answer to two high safeties. And I think the assumption is Sky Moore 
a day two rookie will step into the slot. But I actually think Judas Smith-Schuster has a chance to just play in that role as an every-down player all year long. And you don't even need him to be explosive, honestly, to lead the league in reception. If the Chiefs just run their offense like they did last year, then he has a chance at those odds, and the number should be greater. So I like 33-1. to And then more importantly, for your awards question, I like Jalen Tolbert to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Because if you think about the other, literally any other rookie wideout in this class, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, the list goes on and on, no other rookie wide receiver suddenly has more opportunity and playing with a better quarterback than Jalen Tolbert in week one. Michael Gallup, we know, won't be available. James Washington now out for six to ten weeks, and I've heard that it's much closer to the ten-week margin, and who knows if he's even going to be at full health when he returns at that point. And so Tolbert really has no choice but to be on the field as the team's number two wide receiver for every down outside of C.D. Lamb. Also a day two rookie who is a very explosive player at South Alabama, actually averaged 17 yards per catch and led the team in receiving each of his last three seasons as a starter. So, yeah, I actually have a, a lot of faith in Jalen Tolbert, both as an underrated fantasy pick and to potentially win rookie offensive rookie of the year at 16 to one. I still believe the number is. Yeah, that's a fun one, especially with the opportunity you mentioned the quarterback he has with Dak Prescott. Uh, how about the other side of this, John? Players you're fading this year, and it could be for a variety of reasons, injury, scheme change, uh, coaching change, uh, or maybe they just overachieved last year. Give us a couple names of, of players you're either trying to avoid or you're fading here uh, for this 2022 season. Players are still getting drafted for injury. And so that's what sort of makes it easier right now to fade them. But a couple other players that I haven't been drafting just because I think they're going a few rounds too high. Uh, TG Hogginson, let's start there because as anyone knows who's done best ball drafts this off season, they've been left with the choice to, to potentially draft TG Hawkinson in the seventh or eighth round because he gets left over after that Dalton Schultz tier. And I just think it's genuinely one of the worst ranges and the worst picks to make knowing that even with career highs last year in targets per game, catch rate, receiving yards per game, like T.J. Hawkinson still finishes the tight end 15 in points per game. Uh, he's done nothing in his career. And, and although I have faith of him, of him as a high floor, he also doesn't win your league. So in that range with such high draft capital at a onesie position that we're hoping scores a lot of touchdowns, I genuinely think it's one of the worst picks people make in every single draft i'm also lower on consensus than jets wide receivers it takes a lot of faith to think we know which jets wide receiver is going to be the breakout uh, also just to believe that zach wilson's going to bounce back when his profile like from college even suggests you know even at byu he played behind five eventually NFL offensive lineman that got drafted uh, and still was extremely inaccurate, in particular throwing downfield. So I'm not sure I have as much faith as everyone else in a, in a second-year development year. Um, it seems to me like the Jets are really in the Broncos situation of last year and that they're still going to be lacking a quarterback even though they've done everything else right in the organization around him. And so I, Elijah Moore goes around the fifth, sixth round, and everyone just clicks him. I don't think that's necessary knowing – that he may not be the wide receiver one, especially because his splits with Corey Davis were significantly different. He didn't have a top 20 finish, Elijah Moore, while Corey Davis was healthy. Uh, vast drop-off from when they played together. And so, yeah, I would say Elijah Moore is another player that I'm typically not drafting in his range. With John Dago, 444 Football, this is BetQL Daily. Uh, John, a lot of coaching staff changes 
this offseason. And we're going to see two of them on display uh, tonight in the Hall of Fame game, whether it's uh, buying into season props, some of the fantasy angles. Are, are there specific offenses where we've seen changes with play callers and coaching staffs that you're buying into, that, that you want pieces of set offenses? Oh, there are two in particular. Uh, I'll start with the Giants because I don't know if anyone's necessarily high on them, but like the Lions, I feel like they've done everything in stripping the organization down correctly from the top down from day one. And the best part about this offense is that they improved the offensive line, which is something the up-pass regime with Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman didn't do at all. That Brian Dable stepped in and said, and Joe Schoen and said, this is literally what we have to do from day one to help Daniel Jones, whether he gets re-signed next year or not. But more importantly for fantasy, this defense sucks. If you look at the secondary, <laughs> it, is it is literally the worst in the NFL. And that's so terrific for us because we know Dable with the Bills last year ran the fewest plays in multi-tight end sets. And this Giants offense goes five deep at wide receiver, including Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard, if he's healthy off the bench, not to mention Saquon Barkley's reps in the slot. So we know Daniel Jones is going to get rid of the ball quick and has rushing upside that Dable will definitely use. Last year, actually, in Josh Allen's last seven games, 70% of his runs were designed runs. They weren't scrambles because that was the Bills' answer to too high safety. I think Dable's going to let Daniel Jones go on the loose and go crazy like that with his legs as well to move the chains. And so I actually think Daniel Jones is a top 15 quarterback and has so much more upside and a higher floor than a lot of these other guys like Derek Carr, uh, maybe uh, around that range to a tag, to a tag below it, honestly, too, because I do expect Jones to run a lot more. So I think the Giants are going to be fun. And then also the Vikings. The Vikings are getting steamed a lot. A lot of people are talking about them. Rams last year, of course, ran a league-high rate of three wide receiver sets. We're expecting Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell to do the same between Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and K.J. Osborne. But the underlying note here is that Dalvin Cook, for his career, has actually averaged over five yards per carry and 11 personnel as well. He just really never got the chance to do so since the Vikings were so heavy in fullback packages and 21 personnel under Mike Zimmer. So I think no matter what defenses try to do for the Vikings, like they have an answer to respond and put points on the board. I don't necessarily know if that means they're going to beat the Packers because even in being now what we think will be a defense run first, strong Packers team, who's just more efficient with Aaron Rodgers more than anything, the NFC is wide open for a nine-win team to sneak in. And I think the Vikings can score enough points to be a nine-win team. So I've actually bet them at plus money, not to go over their eight-and-a-half win total, even though I do believe in that, but I bet them at plus money just to make the playoffs because they genuinely can be a four-seed as the second team in the second or first team in the NFC North. I love it. I love it. What about the Cardinals? This is an interesting team that looked a bit fraudulent uh, towards the end of the season last year. We know DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss six games. Hollywood Brown was arrested for excessive speeding. Um, no idea if that's going to affect you know his availability. But what do you make of Kyler Murray and this Cardinals team? I, I love Kyler Murray. I am worried about their offensive line, but... For Kyler Murray, remember, until he suffered that high ankle sprain and basically got injured for the rest of the year in week nine, until that point, he was the quarterback five in fantasy points per game. And the Cardinals averaged 30 points per game. They were a juggernaut offensively. 
And then from that point forward over the second half of the season, Kyler Murray averaged just under six yards per attempt, was a completely different player, and the Cardinals averaged nine fewer points per game, 21, just three touchdowns. And so I expect them to come out at full health with an explosive deep threat in Marquise Brown, who, remember, Marquise Brown led Baltimore in air yards in back-to-back years as the team's deep threat. But more importantly, Kyler Murray led the league last year with a 49% completion rate on throws 20-plus yards downfield. These two, outside of just being best friends and teammates at Oklahoma, really are a match made in heaven, and I'm very excited to see it play out. So even without DeAndre Hopkins for six games, I think there are more than enough weapons to get by. James Conner, of course, as well, was averaged 26 fantasy points per game in his six starts without Chase Edmonds last year. So the way I've been attacking this, because I am so worried about their offensive line that I understand their nine-and-a-half, what has been since been shrunk to nine- or eight-and-a-half season win total, could go under. There's an arbitrage situation in that Vegas sports books, if you look at like the Superbook early weekly lines, actually if you add them all up, the Cardinals are implied and projected to score the eighth most points in the league. But if you go to DraftKings Sportsbook, they have the Cardinals at the 14th highest odds to score to be the highest scoring team. So like DraftKings puts them as a media a median offense. Vegas puts them as a top 10 offense. And knowing what we saw the first half of the season last year, I think there really is a chance for them to be that juggernaut. So rather than betting their season win total, which is very volatile, I think just taking the long shot odds and betting them at 14 or 16 to 1, depending what you see on DraftKings right now, to be the NFL's highest scoring offense, that's the route I've been taking for them. John, did any other teams jump out to you uh, when you're going through your previews and, and looking at the players or projections as maybe being better than people think or worse than people think? The Cardinals, you brought up their offense there. You think the Giants could be fun. Anyone else you think maybe the perception is one way, but you view it maybe the other? Although I still believe in Jalen Tolbert as offensive rookie of the year because that's just going to take over 1,000 yards and 8 to 10 touchdowns. The Cowboys, I think, are a significantly worse team than what people are perceiving. Their schedule is softer, but even factoring in the loss of James Washington and Michael Gallup, just to go from C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup to now what will be, you know, C.D. Lamb, who still has never really played on the outside, and I believe he can do so, but C.D. Lamb, Jalen Tolbert, and Noah Brown, uh, it, it's such a significant drop-off, and arguably they're playing behind what I think is the Cowboys' worst offensive line in the last decade. 21-year-old Tyler Smith just getting crowned as soon as he gets drafted, even though he's the biggest project, supposedly, reportedly, in this entire class at his position, not to mention led the nation in holding penalties last year, uh, something the Cowboys obviously faltered from in the playoffs against the 49ers when they were called for eight. So I'm very worried about their offensive line holding up. And remember, their defense led the league in turnovers last year, and we know that stat isn't sticky year to year. That's not something that's going to be consistent whatsoever. Losing Randy Gregory, of course, and just – looking to other options and pieces like Dorrance Armstrong to basically be like three Randy Gregory's doesn't make sense at all. And so I think they have a significantly lesser pass rush with a significantly less explosive offense and 10 and a half wins seems far too many for a team that like, I don't know if they can get the nine. John Daigle, four before football there on the Roman guest line. Other side, we'll jump in today's MLB slate right here on the BetQL Network.
You're listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL.